0: Land light, radio, land light, radio, energy, no filter, Oh yeah! All right, folks, we're back here with uh, Senator Bill Willikowski here on the ground floor. How's it going, Senator Wilikowski? It's oh, going great. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Happy to be uh, doing this. Is our second time? I think we did one in, over last summer. You know, I can't what remember. The second or third? We did one. No, I think it's sec- third because we did one after. The Dunleavy Independent Group uh, took the picture of you and um, me and Mike Dunlavey from years ago, and they photoshopped me out. The infamous photoshopping picture. <laughs> so we we talked about that. Yeah. Um, that was, I guess, like late summer, maybe early fall last year. Um, so we're kind of maybe coming to the end of the session. I Tomorrow's is the 121st day. I hope so. I'm ready to go home. So you've been, and kind of what I wanted to talk about was what's going on this session, but I also want to kind of back up first and... Um, this is your thirteenth session, right? It is, and you've been in the mi- minority right now. You're in the minority, but you've been in the majority in a bipartisan group. And some of those folks are S- Senator Stedman. Uh, who has anybody else left? Let's see. We got Steb- Hoff,
1: Stedman, Stevens, Olson, Hoffman. Hoffman,
0: right? Uh, there's probably a few others. Kevin there. Meyer, but he's in the Kevin third. Meyer he's in the third floor yeah, now. Yeah, that was
1: at a time we we had a. You know, when people say, "Oh, there's no chance you're going to have a." bipartisan working group. I always remind them that we had a bipartisan working group that I was in with Johnny Ellis and Hollis French and Lida Green and Charlie Huggins. <laughs> Anything a, is possible. That was the first one, right? That was the first one. Yep. And people thought, people thought there was no way that was possible to do. And, um, and in fact, uh, Senator Con Bundy, who was in the minority at the time, uh, refused to unpack his bags all session. He said, this is, there's no way this is going to last. This is going to fall apart. And it went for six years, and uh, we kept it together. And you know what we did with that was we we put aside the the controversial issues that tend to divide the body. And uh, so it was like social issues. Yeah, or? a lot of social issues, and and so we just put those aside. Said, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna get into that. We're gonna focus on economic issues. We're gonna focus on things that we think Alaskans are really can, can really unify around. Like saving, for example. We saved $16 billion. We changed oil taxes. We did ethics reforms. We certainly had criminal bills that we passed. Price of oil helped a little bit, didn't Price it? Price of oil helped a little bit. $148 of oil. Was, that uh, was the big... Remember was, that big
0: 08 or was 09, the big windfall when the... It
1: was 08 and 100... Oil, it hit $148, $147. And we had about a 8 or $9 billion surplus that year. Um, I mean, people are fighting now because we have a $1.2 billion deficit. We had we took in 12 or $13 billion in oil revenue that year. It was just an a staggering amount of money. I was,
0: I was talking to you before that we started and we're talking about some of these, like the recent budget vote in the Senate was 19 to one. And I was saying that, um, in the past I go back, I analyze the last 10 or some years of votes. And when the budgets were real big, like six, seven, $8 billion, uh, a lot of yes votes <laughs> on, on both minority majority. A lot of, a lot of, because people are getting they're getting what they want. Right? It's,
1: it's weird how that works. Now those were those were golden days in Alaska politics. We had we had a lot of money coming in. We had large majorities. We, you know, we had consensus on a lot of issues, and we put aside the real divisive things. And you know, if there were if there were things that you needed in your district, uh, you were able to go to the to the uh, budget. To, in, into the budget, you know, through the finance committee, and say, look, I, my constituents really need th- this uh, fire station, or really need uh, this uh something for public safety, and and a road project, and and we could get it, and um and that tend tends to help getting yes votes when you have those sorts. It's of funny things. how
0: things change so much. You know, there was that one time where there was the majority, which was 16 in the Senate, and then there was the minority, which was I think it was Senator Coghill, Senator Geisel, Senator Dyson, maybe. And Senator Bundy, or maybe it was Senator um, Huggins, but it was four, and they didn't even have a real majority or mm-hmm. minority because you have to have at least five, right? Twenty. Yeah, that's right. You guys still gave them, but now, now Senator Geisel, Senate President, and Senator Coghill's Rules Chair.
1: Yeah, it it's you know um, the worm turns, as they say, and um, and you know you could be in the minority for for years, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're you're in the majority, and it's. Um, you just don't know and and there's interesting alliances that form. Alaska, I think, is different than most other states. we We don't strictly break down on Republican democrat issue. We, you know there's a lot is a lot more nuanced than that and and people have I, I think people are maybe a little bit more thoughtful and and are, are really concerned about what sort of legacy they're going to leave behind what and they're they're a little bit more statesmen, I'd say. And I've noticed that this year especially. Um, there there seems to be people, and even people I totally disagree with, I, I think most people here are, are genuinely trying to do what they think is in the state's best interest. And, you know, we'll fight and, and argue, but, but I do think there is a really high level of statesmanship that we're seeing.
0: Yeah. So you spoke about earlier the, the group in the Senate, which was you and Hollis French and, and then Leda Green and Charlie Huggins. The House kind of has something similar to that right now. I mean, they have the, um, several Republicans went over and you know, joined with the Democrats and you know, you have the speaker Edgmond, but then you have, um, Chuck Kopp, who's rules chair and Steve Thompson, Republicans who are majority leader and other, other Republicans who are, you know, in the, is that kind of a similar, I know it's a bit more people there, but is that a similar when group?
1: We, right. When we organized in 2007, we had, uh, it was 15 and we had, uh, at the time nine Democrats and, and what was it? Uh, six Republicans, but the Republicans, um, They were fractured and they, uh, I think what they have, what did I say? They had nine, Uh, they were like five, four. They, They just couldn't decide on who was going to be the president, how they were going to organize. And it's tougher when you have smaller numbers like that. Nobody wants to be, it's very, very hard. And we saw that in the last couple of years with the house. It's very, very difficult to have a majority where you only have one or two extra votes because that gives any one person in that caucus the veto power. And, mm-hmm. and and we saw that in the house the last couple of years. They had, they just had a real tough time, and um, and things well realigned again this this year. So that that's what happened in the Senate back then. And you know it was such an odd organization. I, I remember people my my um, uh, people who were supporters of mine were were furious at me for for joining that that caucus. They they uh, just could not envision. They couldn't even envision uh, that democrats could caucus with people that they had for years opposed violently
0: (laughs) so so what what, you know i'm trying to kind of understand how you have like tammy wilson and you know steve thompson and um i guess chuck Cobb's pretty conservative and republican you have all these other people um when you were in the bipartisan majority what was it like when you're with people that you in some on some issues are diametrically opposed to i mean is it you know
1: it's interesting how people when often, not, not always, but often, and we're seeing it, I think this year as well, but when people get into power, they, they recognize the magnitude of it. They recognize the magnitude of the position and they rise to the occasion. They really do. Um, you know, when I first started out, I, my, my office was right next to Senator Lida Greens. And just about every week I'd get called into her office, uh, to get, yelled at for something that I did <laughs> you really really you <laughs> and normally it involved uh it would involve uh maybe doing a press conference with uh, representative Les Guerra or something <laughs> something like oh, that god. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Les at the time was in the minority uh so yeah there you know there were there was definitely some challenges and but I'm sure there's those challenges today and you know you 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 become a member of a caucus but you don't you don't set your beliefs aside and and that was, I think, something that was very very important to us when we were in the majority uh, back then. We, for example, uh, Senator Green, Senator Huggins, uh, the other people in the majority, they did not support changing oil taxes, for example. And yet there were people like me and Hollis French and Johnny Allison who who adamantly did. And um, and I, I'll give I'll give Lyda Green credit, Senator Green credit. Um, she put the oil tax bill on the floor there was not a majority in the caucus the caucus was totally split on that but she agreed to put it on the floor and and just let it shake out where where it shook out and uh, and i will give her credit for
0: that i have to add that that's tuckerman babcock's (laughs) mother-in-law the the irony does not escape me on that
1: there's a little bit of irony there isn't there so so
0: you were you were there during aces and all that and you were there when you, you got elected the same year Sarah Palin got elected, right? I did. Yeah. So, so there was. So back then the issues weren't so much dividend. I mean, there was always that's always been I guess discussed as. I mean, I was watching just on Gavel earlier. They went back to 2004 and the conference of Alaskans, and I mean it was exact. It was identical. POMV dividend taxes. They had Jay Hammond speak. I mean, it was basically if you didn't know who was talking and you just heard the audio, you'd think it was the ex- today.
1: It's the same issue. Ex-
0: identical. Um, but there was Aces was the big one. There was obviously the Vico stuff and. I think Palin had a, more or less a mandate. I mean, she—I think at some point her approval rating was like ninety percent, or something. Her
1: approval rating was ninety percent after she, um, well, okay, she had a few things going for her. We we did change oil taxes, which was uh, bipartisan, supported Republicans and Democrats in both bodies. Then she paid out. We had all that. Remember. This was two thousand eight oil. Hit we, got the, we got the extra twelve hundred bucks. The extra twelve hundred. The extra so PFD. Thirty
0: two hundred. That, that was the mega. That was the first <laughs> mega. That P- was the
1: mega PFD. <laughs> that
0: was the first mega PFD.
1: And and the the philosophy behind that was, well, at the time people were really hurting because, you know, we have so much money in the state from oil, and yet and and yet people were paying through the roof, uh, oil prices. Well, and there was for, the, for the global, heating oil, the global prices. crisis was and gasoline happening. prices.
0: The global financial crisis was going on. So
1: right so uh well this was just before that actually but this oil prices were sky high and so what was happening was people in uh, fairbanks and rural alaska were paying thousands some were paying thousands of dollars per month for their heating bills and so you had this weird situation where here we are we're just like you know money is just pouring in from our oil revenue because of high oil prices and because we changed our oil tax structure and yet people can't afford to pay their heating bills so that was the idea behind, well, we're going to give everybody an additional 1200 bucks. It was it was really to help people with their with their fuel prices, which mm-hmm. went through the
0: roof. So I've never thought about this. It just came to my mind, and, and you're the lawyer. I'm not the lawyer. But the people talk about the formula, dividend formula. I mean, taking money away from it obviously violates the formula. Wouldn't adding money um, violate the I mean, or is that just an additional one-time? How was that? I don't even know how that was done. It was, no,
1: it was just an extra. It's just the legislature just passed and said just appropriated extra money for a little little icing on the cake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so I was pretty, I was moved here in Oh four. Let's see I was. I was like 24, I guess I was pretty young and I got 3,200 bucks and I was like
1: fucking (laughs) excited.
0: I was like, that's a lot for me. I was in college. I was like, that's a lot of money for,
1: you know, imagine you got a family of four and all of a sudden you're getting a PFD of $13,000. It's, it's pretty, pretty astonishing. Yeah. It's, it's
0: a huge amount. So did you, did you work? I mean, I think I asked you before, but did you, work a lot with Palin or did you talk to her? I mean, were you like hanging out with her? I,
1: I, you know, we actually, we had, um, an interesting relationship. Um, she, we, we agreed on a lot of things philosophically, um, oil for one, PFD was another one. Um, ethics reform was another one. A lot of criminal justice things we did. Um, and, and so we actually worked together. I know my, my democratic friends can't believe this are astonished, but uh, when she was governor, she, we had a great relationship with her she was very bipartisan and um i thought she did a good job when she ran for vice president and came back it, it was like a totally different st- person it was like who is this person you know that we don't this is not the person who was been leading this thing yeah, for the heard, last two heard,
0: years i've heard other people say the exa- exact same thing she came back and it was a different yeah. different yeah different different whole different personality
1: yeah in fact i remember i remember the first time she came back i was uh, for, she had just lost and, uh, there was a, some conference downtown Anchorage, I think it was like resource development conference or yoga or something. And it was at, um, it was one of the conventions. Probably resource
0: development because they have, they have those at the end of November. Yeah. So maybe that's it what must it have was. Been that one, and yeah. it must've
1: been in, in the Dina Center. And so there's this room and there's, you know, a couple hundred people there and there's a couple hundred people there. And, um, and she walks in and there's like a smattering of claps and she's, you know, she's used to these stadiums that she goes into and there's thousands of people clapping mm-hmm. and cheering and, and chanting her name. And here she comes in and there's like the smattering of clapping and she's all by herself with no security detail. <laughs> and you could just tell, um, this was it's probably
0: like a smack in the face. Wake up call. You giant, know, you, you go from being like security details and like you said, thousands of people to just kind of be in people adoring Alaska.
1: you. And then she had just burned so many bridges in that run for a vice president that, um, that really you you could just see that that had sort of crushed her. Do you, spirit do you
0: remember where you were when you heard she was nominated or do you
1: i did i remember exactly where i was i, I was i was heading on a i was going to the airport to go to iggy agig for um uh fly fishing with les Guerra actually and a, oh that's right i think i think
0: i heard yeah i've heard this story well, i've heard him talk about that
1: yeah and, and in fact so we had a we had a stopover so i get on a plane and and i'm, I'm literally riding to the airport and the announcement is made, and I, I just stunned, couldn't couldn't believe it. And I get and and my phone is blowing up. And uh, while I <laughs> and so the Democratic Party calls me and says, "Hey, we have designated you and Les Garrett to be the people that the media can call. We you know we are we agree to do that if they have questions about government." Oh Biden. man, I bet
0: you got I bet you got bombarded. So, so
1: Les and I are are sitting in King Salmon Airport. Talk and literally, like in a corner, he's on one cell phone, I'm on another. Uh, and I'm talking in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Fox News. Just, yeah, I, I probably did a couple hundred interviews during that period of time when she was running for vice president. Um, yeah, it was everybody, everybody wanted to know who she was and what. Well, I what remember my was.
0: professor, old UA history professor, Steve Haycox, you know, he wrote all about Alaska history and Alaska and American colony. And they were essentially looking for anybody, I remember this. Anybody who knew anything really about it, right? So so I'm, I'm like, home one day, and I'm, I'm young. I'm in, still in college. Well, I graduated. I was still in college because I graduated in but everybody was following it, right? And I'm, like, watching the news one day. It was, like, CNN or Fox, whatever, something, Fox, maybe. And I'm seeing Stephen Haycock's, like, getting interviewed. I'm like, it's my that's my professor. What's, what's, what's going on? And he's just talking about Alaska and political history and her. And um, I even think, you know, there's other people I remember talking to, and it was just, like, nuts, you know? Anybody who knew kind of anything...
1: Yeah, and even I wish, that, I wish I
0: wish I was around then doing what I'm doing now. I'd probably be getting <laughs> you, interviewed. You would, I'm
1: sure. Even after that, you know, you'd go on, you'd go on a trip somewhere, and you, the moment you told people you were from Alaska, that's all they wanted to talk I, about.
0: I remember it was probably, I, I think it was after. Yeah, it was after sh- she had lost. I was flying back. I, my parents are from. I'm from New Mexico. And I was seeing the parents, and I was in, it was like Seattle or maybe I was in Utah or something. The airport, and I was just like in line and these people were talking and they said chat with them where were you from and I said uh oh, I'm from Alaska and they were like oh wow do you, do you know her do you know her <laughs> and I go I knew what they were you know talking I said who Sarah Palin I mean she's she's amazing and they just they just it was just bizarre because they had had this like fixation fascination with her and and, and have you met I said yeah I've met her a few oh my god you've met her you actually met her it was. Just, and then Ralph Samuels we did a podcast a while back and he told me he was in um Canada he was like in in, you know Montreal he was at some Torah shop and I guess somebody said you know like oh do you know her do you know Sarah Palin he's like actually yeah I I know her pretty well and I go what happened next they were like nothing they were like okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) he was the one vote against her uh Aegea
0: (laughs) right right he was one of 39 right yep Yep. um so kind of going back to you know current day modern day uh there's talk of the this budget which you guys passed 19 to 1 and then now it's back in the conference committee with the House, there's some talk because of the dividend issue. Um, they might pull that out and then pass the budget, operating budget, which they don't have to have a dividend in there, and then work it out later. Have you heard about it? I mean, that's kind of what's been being talked about.
1: Uh, yeah, I've heard the rumors. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I keep hearing different things from different people. You know, it would be the first time that we passed a budget without without it in there, so that would be, that would be unusual.
0: Um, Could that be used as something like leverage for, cause Dunleavy, the governor has to sign or veto the budget. He, they could say, well, take care of, Don't do the, don't go crazy. We'll give you more dividend or is that possible? It,
1: oh sure. Anything's possible. And, and you know, the, one, this is one of the things, one of the things that I've certainly learned over the years here is, uh, never underestimate the power of leverage and, uh, and everyone's trying to get leverage over other people. Uh, it's, and so when in the budget situation, yeah, what's the leverage the legislature would have over the government? Well, what does the governor really want? He wants full PFD, right? So, and he wants something to c- the cuts, I think. And he like. wants the cuts. So, um, you know, I think, I guess there's a theory going around that if, if the governor, maybe there's some kind of deal that's cut where, you know, the legislature gets what they want on the budget and, and then he gets the PFD that he wants, Um you know, I, that's actually, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a part of those conversations. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I, you know, we voted for a budget out of the Senate that had a full PFD in it. And, and I hope, I hope we continue to get that. But uh, yeah, there's, you know, people are trying to figure out how to get out of here. And, and that's the one thing well, they they just can't agree on. T-
0: tomorrow's the, the 120, day 121. So if, right. if the budget isn't passed by tomorrow, um, the per diem stops under that Jason Grant ethics bill. That's right. And then people, some, I mean, I guess it's, about 300 bucks a day, unless you're from yep. Juneau. Yep. So that could have an impact on folks. Because, I mean, the rents go up here a lot in the summertime in the hotels and the, the apartments. Right,
1: everybody's scrambled. A lot of people have lost their, their leases. A lot of people, our leases expire, you know, because some people figured, well, we are going 120 days. So a lot of leases expire in the next day or two. And, uh, yeah, trying to find a place to live now, uh, it's it's not going to be cheap in Juneau. And, and places just are totally full, filled
0: so let's talk a bit about the Senate. Um, we were talking before the podcast in the past years, it's been kind of, there's been contentious and it's been difficult. This current Senate seems to be because of like the crime bill, 20 to zero, the budget, 19 to one, other issues have been very, you know, unanimous or close. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's really any major, maybe over the dividend potentially with within the, some folks, but that aside, it seems like people are getting a lot. I mean, I, my observation is people are getting along pretty well.
1: There, there's been a, it's been a sea change in the Senate. And, and I'll tell you what I think led to it. Uh, and I'll give credit to, us. It, well, I'll start out with Senator Steadman and co-chairing the Finance Committee. You know, I think part of it is we have, Senator Olson and I served in the bipartisan majority with him and Senator Hoffman. So we've got, you know, we've got a relationship. We've been in the Senate together for I've been with Stedden for 13 years, Don, Donnie for longer than that. So there's, you know, there's a level of trust there, there's a relationship there. But I think I think some of the things that we've seen this session that I haven't seen is collaboration.
0: Well, they they made you you and Senator Olson chairs of right. the uh, subcommittees, right? Right.
1: And and th- that's huge. And and so, you know, I think I think one of the things that tends to happen when you have majority minority is there's a tendency to just completely ignore the minority and just completely say we're we're just you know whatever ideas you have we don't care if they're the best ideas that are out there we're just going to ignore them because you're in the minority and when that happens uh that tends to lead to a very bad relationship uh it tends to lead to a very acrimonious relationship and so yeah right from the start in in the finance committee we saw we saw them say hey we're going to give you uh chairmanships of subcommittees we I remember wanted- someone,
0: someone sent me that and they sent me the link and it was you were, were you, where were you? You were subcommittee judiciary, judiciary. and then Olson was um, Play, uh, law, law, and I said, my first thought was, oh, is that a mistake? Or and they were like, <laughs> I don't know. And I remember, I asked you, and you said, I don't know. <laughs> Ask around. Well, we, you know,
1: I, I Senator Stebbins talked to me about it, and and uh, I said, sure, I absolutely, I'll do it. Um, and and that I think p- that was part of the under, you know, part of the relationship building, the team building, and. And saying, "Look, we we want your input. Your input is important to us because we have ideas that may be a little bit different from them." And then, just going through the budget process, we saw the budget that was put together by the Senate was actually a pretty good budget. It was a budget that I didn't agree with completely, but it funded education, it funded the university, it funded school debt bond reimbursement, it funded a full PFD. I mean, those were some major things for me. In fact, in some ways, it was better than the House budget for me. So. I am not going to play games and just vote against the budget because
0: I'm I'm in the minority. Uh, but but you but you might if they were to treat you badly. Well, if they like a, a different group in the you know
1: if people. they if there were th- you know I voted against the last six budgets because th- I didn't like them because there weren't there were things in there that I didn't agree with this or a lot of things I mean substantial things. This budget not only what w- was I a part of and and the minority was a really a genuine part of and had a say in, but it was a it was a good budget from our so it's perspective.
0: actually almost, you know, in some ways a team of rivals at Lincoln. He brings all the people together that you know, he opponents and enemies and and then they all work together and then all of a sudden you're part of the team. You you're not outside. It, it becomes it, more difficult.
1: It, it, it's it was a recognition that we all need to work together that we have this huge monumental deficit. How are we going to solve this problem? And and Senator Steadman I will give him a tremendous amount of credit for doing that, bringing people together. If I, you know, take listening to our input and then coming up with a budget, that's a pretty darn good budget that I, it, you know, I would have voted for, e- you know, easily if in the majority. But I, I don't, I'm not going to vote against a budget just because I'm in the minority. If it's a good budget, I'll vote for it. But I think part of the reason it was a good budget was because we were part of the process mm-hmm. and we had a say and we were listened to. I,
0: I got to say my observation and talking to other folks, and they've said it on the floor, senators, Democrat, and the minority. Um, I've had in the past some issues with Senator Giesel, but I think she has just done a, Really, really good job. I mean, you talk about rising to the occasion earlier. She seems like she has just really done a great job.
1: I'll, I'll give her credit. You know, we we haven't always seen eye to eye on things, and we've clashed on on issues over over the years. But I remember some of the resource but, committee issues oh, yeah. back, back we, in the day. <laughs> we, we, you know, we uh, we we've certainly clashed, um, but she has been very fair with us. I will give her that, and um, and I I I don't have um, complaints about the way she's been the way she's run the senate I, I think um i've appreciated her her inclusion i've appreciated the way she's reached out to us on issues and and uh, it's been a very collaborative senate this year um it's a sea change and i think part of that is there there were some people that were changed out in over the last couple of years that um and i think that that made a difference in in how the senate's run
0: yeah she even did a podcast with me a few months back so <laughs> it was awesome It is so. So, what's your? I mean, the crime. The house just didn't concur with the crime bill. So now there's a conference on the crime bill. Um, There's an ongoing conference on the budget, which uh, you know they want to. People are saying they want to do it by tomorrow. I mean, what do do you see? What do you see happening?
1: We'll go to conference and see what we can agree to. But we've got
0: we got to do it quick. Um, You know, is is this is this your is this, this is my first time being here for the session? But is this different than? The previous twelve you've been in, or is it similar? It
1: seems actually a little slower, well, because you had the House not organized for a month mm-hmm. there's very few bills that have passed, but i I chalk that up to you have you know a moderate house and a conservative Senate and a very conservative governor, and so there's checks everywhere you know no one 's going to get any sort of really significant change. On uh, legislation passed because that that the other side disagrees with. I mean, it, when you have a split House and Senate, it forces collaboration. It forces consensus building. Otherwise, you're just not going to get anything. Well, passed. you know, I remember after the
0: 2012 election when the bipartisan coalition went away. You had Republican Senate. I think it was almost supermajority. Republican House, very close to a supermajority. Republican governor. Right. So that was pretty much. Those
1: were, those were some, um, you know, from my perspective, some tough years, we saw a lot of real bad legislation passed because what happens is when anytime you have total control by one party, uh, that what, what often happens is the extremes sort of push the agenda. And so I think that's what you saw in those few years when we saw that, and we had some just terrible legislation that got passed those years. Some bad budgets that got passed, and so big, you know, big, big, big budgets. Well, big budgets too, right? <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. It's like you got you got conservative, you know, so-called conservative Republicans, and you're passing some of the biggest budgets in the history of the state, and um, and so you know we we've seen we've seen changes over And, and SB ninety one, by the way, passed uh, th- those. It those six. As well.
0: It was at 16, 16 right? Yeah. No. Yeah, sixteen, I guess. So, so Walker, Walker was governor, but the so, but you legislature had, you know, was Republican still Republican
1: House and Senate, mm-hmm. very conservative House and Senate, and and you know the you had the Republican Party doing two uh, two resolutions in support of Senate Bill ninety one. People forget about that. No, that's um, true.
0: Somebody mentioned. I heard somebody talking about that. Yeah, recently. So, you know,
1: I I think split government is is good. I think you get a better government that way. It forces consensus. That's what we've seen. You know, and in the Senate, we've seen you know, genuine consensus building attempts. They're they're accepting amendments in committees and on the floor and allowing us to be part of the process. And uh, that's really all you can ask for in this process.
0: So do you see yourself uh, in the majority again sometime in the future? I mean, <laughs> you, you still have, you were just elected, you were elected, uh, reelected in 16, right?
1: Uh, I'm up next year. So you're, you're,
0: you're, yeah, you're, you were, so you're up 20. So 20 yeah, so 16, you were elected. Right, in, so so you got, next you have year. an election next yeah, year. I do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with uh, you're probably, you're okay. You're, you're the you're the PFD guy. Everybody knows when you go door to door, do people say, "Oh yeah, you're the going for the defending the PFD"? They do actually. I'm sure you heard because you were, you were for a while. You were. I don't know if there was polling at the time, but I bet during that whole PFD thing, I bet your name ID was <laughs> really high.
1: You know, I I'll tell you when I, um, the PFD has always been a big issue in my district. Um, I remember when I first
0: ran. Because you're east, I mean, you're Ivy Holtz is, it, and who else? Who my, else? My
1: districts changed over the years, but I it, it's it's a it's on the lower end of the income scale. It's it's um, and and it's interesting when you look at the polls. The the lower you go down on the income scale, the more people support the PFD because it, the more important it
0: is to yeah, their your incomes. reps are Ivy and Ivy and Gabriella do right? do yeah okay
1: yep so so I've got pockets which it's really really important to. But I'll tell you when I first when I filed my lawsuit to or to. Try to challenge Governor Walker's veto. Um, I really had no idea how how that would play. I didn't know if people would agree with that or disagree with that or, or what. Um, and and so I, I went out door knocking and I went out in in this sort of the wealthiest area in my in my district because I wanted to see because I knew the lower income people would really appreciate it, but I, I was just curious. I didn't know how you know people on the upper end of the income scale and every single door that i knocked on republican democrat it didn't matter every single one of them thanked me for filing the lawsuit and for trying to protect the pfd and it because you think because they agreed with you or because they agreed with they They did no they they they, because they agreed with me and and it just it just reinforced you know people politicians forget when because you come down to juno and you're a little bit isolated you're a little in a bubble you hear you only hear from certain people and you, you, there's a tendency to forget what the average person is thinking about at home, and and that's the way for me. I've always done, tons and tons of door to door, and in fact, over, you know, the time I've been running for office, I've knocked on thirty five thousand doors, um, in in running for, in in elections. So I, I, I think that's important to get out and hear that, and and I think when you're in Juneau, you just sort of for you're just easy to forget about what people. Who are struggling to get by? Who are you know? Husband and wife are both working, and they got a couple of kids, and they don't spend a lot of time thinking about politics. And and they got you know they're trying to feed their families, and and they're just struggling to get by. And we it's just easy to forget how important it is to people out there. It's always been important in my in my district. I ever the very first time I ran, uh, the PFD was the big issue in my race, and uh, and I I was fully in support of protecting it then because I had knocked on ten. 10- who would
0: you run? You, were you Challenging an incumbent or was it an open? It was
1: an open seat. It was Gretchen Guess's seat, and um, she stepped aside, and and I I ran, and um, and so yeah, I did a you know twelve thousand doors I knocked on, and and that was what I heard about was the PFD, and then I was at a chamber of commerce debate, and they asked about the permanent fund. This was an issue back in two thousand six. They asked about the permanent fund. You know, should we use the earnings and and I said, you know, I think there's better ways, and I pushed oil, tatted oil tax changes at that time. And my opponent said, "Yeah, we we should. We're going to need to use the permanent fund earnings." I, 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 didn't know about polling that was being done in my race. I found somebody told me about it afterwards. But apparently, I was down twenty points in the polls, on Labor Day, around the time that he said this. And from the that time, who, who was the opponent? Here? It was Earl Mayo. That time until the actual, I won by twenty points. And and it, so it's it a forty-point swing. Forty-point swing and. And I, I wouldn't say it was 100% attributable to that, but it was a lot attributed to Earl, me. I
0: don't even know that name. I don't do even know. Was he elected or? No. Earl, it's like mayonnaise. <laughs> mayo. Um, I think he handed out little jars of mayonnaise when he ran. For, that's uh, that's yeah, probably smart, like, you know. Mayo. Yeah. Gotta, you got to do something. Yep. Well, I know you're busy, and um appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it's Tuesday, the, what's today? The 14th or I think 14th, so. Yep. Tomorrow's, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I'm going back Friday. I got to. I'm getting kicked out of the driftwood. Uh, the rent the rent is too damn high in the summertime, so I gotta figure that out. But um, no, thanks for sitting down. With hey. you, I, I get to know you over the years, and always enjoy talking and doing the podcast. And yep, you're a, you're an easy guy to chat with. So appreciate it. Appreciate thanks, it, Jeff. Senator Wilkowski. Take care. All right, folks. If you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast uh, with me down the road, let me know, and we'll talk to you next time. Landline.